Welcome to another edition of Alternative News, brought to you by Andrew Irving from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament. On today's program, we will hear a presentation from Bevan Ramsden and Andrew Fullerton from IPAN. They will be speaking about rebuilding manufacturing industry for a self-reliant, sustainable and independent Australia. We will also hear from Alexei Goncharuk, one of our young members, who will be speaking briefly on wage theft in Victoria, which has been made a crime. Politics in the pub. On Thursday the 2nd of July, CICD helped organise a politics in the pub via Zoom. The topic was, can Australia have an independent foreign policy? How can we do that? The speaker was Dr Margaret Bevis from the Medical Association for the Prevention of War. If you miss this event, you can watch it on the Melbourne Politics in the Pub Facebook page. Here is Alexei. My name is Alexei Goncharuk, and I am here to present a brief report that wage theft has now been made a crime in Victoria after years of union and employee campaigning. This makes Victoria the first state in Australia to have such laws regarding wage theft. The new legislation was passed last week, on June the 17th, which introduces criminal punishments to employers who dishonestly withhold wages, superannuation or other employee entitlements, as well as falsify employee entitlements and payroll records, or fail to keep employment records. These laws will come into effect in mid-2021. If employers are found to commit wage theft, they will face fines of up to $198,264 for individuals, $991,320 for companies, and up to 10 years jail. Employers who make honest mistakes or make an effort in paying wages and other benefits will not be subject to this legislation. This new legislation also establishes the Wage Inspectorate of Victoria, which will be the authority that has the power to investigate and prosecute wage theft offences. This comes amid rampant wage theft across Victoria, with wage theft even having become the norm in certain industries. Up to half of Victorian workers have had their wages stolen before they turn 30, which in turn amounts to millions. With these new laws, workers now have faster and cheaper means to recover their stolen wages. This victory for workers comes as a result of a unionised and organised workforce in which workers have been able to highlight the issue of wage theft and pressure the government to introduce these laws. Thank you for listening in. Welcome to this edition of Alternative News, produced by CICD, the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament, and broadcast at 9.15am every Sunday morning on Melbourne's community radio station 3CR. My name's Andrew, and I have with me Bevan Ramsden. We're from IPAN, the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network. Today we discuss the grave weaknesses in Australia's economy which have been highlighted by COVID-19 and the dangers they pose for the Australian people. 
we discussed the urgent need for a campaign to move Australia's economic policy in the direction of independence and self-reliance. Bevan, you've recently had an article about these matters in Pearls and Irritations. What got you started on this? Since the 1980s, successive Australian governments have followed a short-sighted and corporate profit-oriented policy of allowing our manufacturing capacity to decline to the point where we are now dependent on imports to a degree which, in the event of imports being disrupted by war, pandemics or political pressure, would cause economic collapse and severely impact the lives of the Australian people. The economic crisis caused by COVID-19 has shown how dependent Australia is on imports and the serious dangers this poses for the Australian people. What imports are we talking about here? Among the imported goods on which Australia depends are fuel for transport and aviation, telecommunications equipment, medical supplies, agricultural machinery and even the bulk of Defence Force equipment. Early in COVID-19, it emerged that even surgical face masks and hand sanitizers had to be imported. Being highly dependent on imports from any one country raises the risk of supply disruption or loss due to foreign political pressure, intimidation or war. The rundown of manufacturing industry has caused huge job losses, de-skilling and lost opportunities for the young who are among the hardest hit by the COVID-19 economic crisis. Would you agree that another critical weakness of the Australian economy is our massive over-reliance on exports of unprocessed minerals, energy resources and agricultural products? Surely a sound and sustainable economic policy would place the emphasis on value-adding and diversification of exports. Certainly. Australia is rich in natural resources and with a population of 25 million and a well-developed educational system is undoubtedly capable of achieving a high degree of self-reliance, thus eliminating the risks to which our present over-reliance on imports exposes us. The concern you've expressed about the vulnerability resulting from Australia's heavy dependence on imports of vital supplies is shared, it seems, by none other than the Australian Defence Department in a report mentioned in your article. What does the report say? These critical weaknesses and vulnerabilities were highlighted in a confidential report commissioned before COVID-19 by Cheryl Durant, Director of Preparedness for the Defence Department, and it was featured on the ABC 730 report of 29th of April. This report shows how Australia's essential services could collapse within three months of a COVID-19 type crisis which halted global trade. It states that with at least 90% of Australia's medical supplies imported, specialist medicines may be exhausted within days, and severe repercussions for public health result. Another danger mentioned in the report are disease outbreaks 
due to failure of the sanitation and water treatment systems, about which it states, we found that like our medical supplies, most of the chemicals for sanitation and water treatment were sourced offshore and that we only had a very limited supply. The Defence Department report further states, Australia has only enough liquid fuel to last just over two months if global supplies are cut off. This would have a devastating impact on Australia's industries, including trucking, and with no way to move them, Australia's plentiful food supplies would begin to run out in the first month of the crisis. Retired Air Vice Marshal John Blackburn has pointed out that almost all of our trade, 98% of our trade, imports and exports, depends on foreign-owned shipping systems. So we are actually in a pretty weak position. The Maritime Union of Australia has repeatedly sought to draw the government's attention to this vulnerability, but to no avail. Bevan, according to your article, the Defence Department report raises the prospect of some dire consequences in the event of our strategic imports being disrupted by a serious global crisis. It warned that Australia's problems in such a situation would go far beyond fuel and predicted that within three months of imports being halted, the nation as we know it would cease to function. Australia would be racked by social unrest and massive unemployment as basic infrastructure such as transport, energy, water and telecommunications began to collapse due to non-availability of imported fuel and spare parts. What can we do to prevent this situation arising? I think that as we emerge from COVID-19 and begin the task of restarting industries and the economy, serious consideration should be given to eliminating the vulnerabilities resulting from our over-reliance on imports. We should start moving towards an independent, self-sufficient and sustainable carbon-neutral or zero-carbon economy based on the renewable energy resources we have in superabundance. This new direction would mean abandoning the policy of wholesale privatisation and globalisation, which has been pursued by successive governments over the past 30 years or more. It may require the government to establish and run new industries, such as electric vehicle production, and take control of Australia's energy resources. And further, there would have to be a degree of bipartisanship politically because COVID-19 has shown that with bipartisan support much more can be achieved and the nation can be united to enable that achievement. What do you think needs to be done in the field of transport and telecommunications? Transport is a vital strategic infrastructure and cannot be left to the whims of the market. Railways, airports and seaports should be returned to public ownership. Re-establishing local production of public transport vehicles and rebuilding of the local car industry based on production of electric vehicles would provide much-needed employment opportunities for our young people. Telecommunications is another vital strategic industry which must be restored to public ownership and local manufacture re-established. 
This would give a much-needed boost to research and development and provide opportunities for Australian engineers and technicians. ACTU Secretary Sally McManus expressed similar sentiments when she recently urged the government to pursue new directions, saying, Australia needs investments in nation-building infrastructure, local manufacturing, a commitment to buy Australian, more public sector employment and investments in our TAFE and early childhood education sectors. These new directions for industry and manufacturing would also have significant environmental benefits. Building a transport system based on renewable energy and a firm commitment to decarbonising the economy would be welcomed by the increasing numbers of Australians concerned with the deterioration of our climate due to fossil fuel emissions. Recovering from COVID-19 presents a unique opportunity to build a sustainable and self-reliant economy and at the same time create many new jobs and training opportunities. The question is, how can these changes be brought about? I believe that only a mass-based grassroots campaign can prevent the government taking us back down the same old outdated road to possible disaster. I see great potential for a nationwide campaign to urge both the government and the opposition to embrace the new directions we've spoken about and redevelop industry to give Australia an independent, self-reliant and sustainable economy. I believe such a campaign would receive wide popular support. Thanks, Bevan, for sharing these ideas with us. This brings us to the end of this week's CICD Alternative News. As usual, listeners' comments and suggestions are welcome and can be emailed to peacecentre at cicd.org.au That is peacecentre at cicd.org.au Good morning and thanks for listening. This is all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to Community Radio 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Tune in again next week to another edition of Alternative News brought to you by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament. I am Andrew Irving. Looking forward to your company next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.